All right, everybody, I am here today with two really amazing, incredible packaging people. Uh, one, Marku, I've known you, oh, geez, I'm gonna, is it six years maybe? Five, six years? I would years? say at least that, yeah. Yeah, I can't believe that this is the first time you've come on the podcast. Well, that's not my fault. I mean, that's probably true. I, I think I did invite <laughs> you like super early on. You did. And I was but like, I wasn't hey, sure if I could trust your show yet. And now now you're well established. So I think we're we're in good shape. You you finally you, you're like the, the packaging podcast diva. You're like, why don't you just call me? when you have more than 10 people okay well and you don't cover murder so i'm a true crime gal so that would have been a serious uh get me on your show right away deal we could make this whole episode marku about um how we need to uh kill incorrect over packaged things and it could be like a true crime drama about about how you about how you um, no, I was going to say you, you murdered your sustainability metrics, but that sounds bad because it actually means good. Like you took stuff out of your packaging, right. so you, you killed it. I'm envisioning like big chopped outlines of oversized packaging and we have to solve, solve the problem, solve oh, the crime. It's going to be so good. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we'll actually get to that, but I'm sure we'll say we'll have some sort of like cold case or uh, what's the other one cereal that was another fun one um oh i could get you a whole list adam i can't i'm sure you could and i'd probably listen to them honestly uh so i've got i've got marku alexander and marku your official title i didn't write it down it's like r and i packaging uh, sustainability manager at denone north america it's a big mouthful what does r and i mean research and innovation so you're probably used to r&d we are R&I. Oh, all right. I like it. So R&I for packaging sustainability for Danone North America. And uh, are you still connected with the uh, the happy family? Happy, absolutely. Okay. They will always be my people. So happy family is actually one of the brands underneath Danone North America. In fact, it's the only baby food brand um, in the Danone North American portfolio. And so I still get to participate with them on all of all of their sustainable packaging projects and still kind of lead lead the way in some of those. Um, so yeah, get to talk to them all the time and they let me keep my office space, although I work from home most of the time, but I get to go in and do tasting sessions still. And yeah, they can't get rid of me. <laughs> That's all right. It, it's an incredible brand um, and y'all have done some some really, really great work. So. Uh, but I'm not only joined by Marku, I have a repeat guest. Um, and, and Prashant, we are going to have just the Prashant show at some point yeah, in time. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, I'm looking forward to that, Adam. You promised me that. I did. You promised did. me a few things, uh, T-shirt and stuff. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> you don't, you frequent, don't want the You know, frequent today. visitor, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, I'll, I'll, get you, I'll get you a T-shirt for sure. And I just want to let everybody know that this podcast is recorded at a time and then it releases, you're listening to this at another time. And so you're, you're probably going to wonder why an episode came out with Prashant after the Super Bowl, And we did not discuss either the victory or the loss 
of the Cincinnati Bengals, who when I told my kids who were playing, by the way, they said mm-hmm. the Cincinnati Bagels. Why is their team called the Bagels? And I was like, it's Bengals, like a Bengals, yeah. It's yeah. the jungle. Who they? There you go. So <laughs> you can at least say that, right? So when when you listen to this podcast, either either Prashad is gonna be just super stoked because is it Joe Burrows? Is that the quarterback? Yep. He has delivered yep. a victory for Cincinnati. Yes. Or he's going to be really sad because they came up short. But uh, so Monday, Monday for us is going to be either a holiday or work from home. You know, <laughs> so I told everybody if we win, it's a holiday. And I will also say, Danone has a very amazing um, ad in the Super Bowl this year that will be shown right before what we're really all watching the the game for is halftime. halftime. Okay. So. You'll see a an a, an oldie but a goodie football player in our ad. So stay. I guess you'll have seen it by now. You'll have seen it. Yeah. So, so it's uh, no longer a surprise, but it's a it's good weird, one, right? Like it's weird recording a podcast that will exist in the future, but you can only speak of the information now. And honestly, during COVID, I had to be really, really careful to record and then publish right away because everything was changing so quickly that yeah. sometimes some of the interviews felt a little, I don't want to say disingenuous. Like I'll, I'll give you an example. I just had uh Saloni Doshi, her episode just aired and she's the CEO of Eco and Close in, and they're in uh, Louisville, Colorado. Well, I recorded it in December when I was out there over Christmas and it came out after the fires had gone through. So we spoke, oh. we didn't speak about these fires at all because they hadn't happened yet. And so I had to like have this disclaimer, like, hey, this is why you you might be confused why we make no mention of it because it didn't exist when we recorded it. So fingers yeah. crossed that nothing like that happens other than the Bengals winning. Yeah, absolutely. And just so you know, by the way, they are a customer. Saloni, Eco and Close. So. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Bengals were. I was like, the Bengals are running LCAs? They care about sustainability. That would be something now, right? They want to know their environmental impact on the That's field. Right. That's right. Yeah, what if they what if they switch their travel from uh, flight to electric only buses, self driving right. buses? Yeah, or bicycles. They would they'd be in good shape. Electric <laughs> electric bikes. They'll be in good shape, right? Yeah. Anyway, I've well, got uh, all the trash in the stadiums is another thing too, though. Oh my god, that is true. That is true, and the rising cost of said things yep. in stadiums. But that's a whole other podcast. Much like the true crime podcast, there are plenty of inflationary pressures and cryptocurrency podcasts out there, but that's not what we're about. We're about packaging the greatest industry in the world. Uh, So Prashant, you are your official title at uh, Treyak or slash compass is the chief. President. President. Okay. That's not as impressive as Marcuse, but it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think Marco is the, the packaging diva. The, 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 I know, like that. Is, I'm going to coin that trademark. There is a packaging diva already that exists. I'm sorry, Marku. Uh, she's on Twitter. I believe it's uh, Joanne Hines. So well, you can, then you can, we need to come up with a different moniker for me. Um, we do. We do indeed. Packaging Beyonce. Ooh, yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay, we got it. Well, uh, hey, that was some fun banter and uh, one of the more engaging and enlightening introductions. But I wanted to talk because I had connected up 
with uh, Prashant down at the Specrite Summit in Austin. And we were, we were just chatting about podcasts and things like that. And he said, hey, we've got these companies we've done some really great work with. There's case studies out there. And I said, oh, do you, do you work with, um, have you worked with Marku? And he was like, yes, I have actually. And I'm like, oh, that's great. So have I. And uh, we, should, we should all get together on a podcast. It's like, I kind of wanted to talk about that for a second. Um, so Marku, I'm, I'm curious when, did this start when you were with Danone or was this pre-acquisition when you were with Happy Family or was it kind of like post-acquisition, but you're still with Happy Family because I know there's a transition period there. Yeah, um, Happy Family went under the Danone network in 2013. So this was when I was at Happy Family. So previously to my role now with Danone, I was the packaging development manager and also focused on sustainability for Happy Family. So this really took place, a lot of you know, our case study um, took place, I think it was in 2019. 2018, 2019 timeframe. Um, so it was pre, pre me fully dedicated to Danone, um, but Danone, Happy Family was was a Danone company at the time. Okay. And I will say for everybody who who's listening here, and I can't speak for all of Danone, obviously, but I think this is probably true across the board. Um, but when I was working for a packaging manufacturing company and working with Happy Family, I will say un, like undoubtedly the most like truly focused on what is the measurable direct impact of our packaging and holding and it was it was an intense audit honestly of like it wasn't just like hey we're going to audit your pricing and your print quality and all that stuff but it was like no we're going to dig into truckloads and carbon impact of freight and all, all sorts of different yeah. metrics so you guys were about this already. Like it was already part of your DNA prior to this relationship with Compass, it sounds like. Absolutely. Sustainability has always been one of the main pillars for Happy Family. Um, you know, we're, we're providing organic baby food. Um, so, you know, the environmental impact is important of all aspects of the business. So it's always been, a, a, you know, like you said, a part of the DNA. Yeah. And I think that's really important for people to know. And Prashant, I'll kind of steer this question to you because I, I would, I'd be curious. I mean, obviously the there's, there's what we'll call them like mid-sized companies, like what, what, you know, happy family prior to the Danone acquisition now Danone, which is a larger organization, but do you have people who come to you when they're looking to um, measure their sustainability who are, is, do they tend to be kind of newer in their journey or are they established where it's like they live it, breathe it as part of their ethos and then they, but they need that extra step or is the truth kind of all in the middle there? Well, uh, honestly, I think we get all sorts. And so we get people at different stages of their sustainability journey. Some people who are just beginning and they come to us and they're like, what should I do? Where should I begin? You know, which sustainability strategy would work well for me? And so we start there, even in terms of definitions. What is life cycle analysis? What is sustainable packaging? What does it even mean? 
we start there many times. But then we also work with uh, folks like uh, Marku from Happy Family, and they were a lot more advanced. And I think it was a real pleasure working with her because, like you said, they really dug in. They really, you know, they had all the specifications in, uh, that we needed. They had all the data that we needed to look through all the number of pallets that were, you know, changed, et cetera. So we do, you know, see a wide range. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and so in this particular, and I know that you all have done a whole lot of work. We can't talk about all of it in, you know, the next 15 minutes because there's, there's been so much that's happened, but I know you, you all have some case studies that are out there and I wanted to maybe kind of pivot to, to one of them in particular, because it's the, I'll call it like the, the, the non-sexy part of sustainability, which is like down gauging and light weighting and stuff like that, but super impactful. So maybe Marku, can you set up this, um, you know, the, this case study that you all did and uh, maybe a couple things, uh, what, what, uh, what drove it from the beginning? Um, cause I think sometimes when you're talking about like down gauging and light weighting, it can be driven by cost and then sustainability a second. Um, and so I'd be curious about that and then just like the execution of it. Yeah, you bet. And I will say that after having done our first case study, um, the Happy Family team, we chose to actually um, put our entire packaging portfolio into the Compass tool to get a baseline of where we, where we stood. And from that, it actually helped us map out, okay, th these, these packaging formats are having the biggest environmental impact, you know, negative environmental impact. So from that, we were able to really put our focus on what to tackle first. So I'll say, you know, our, our initial case study led to a much bigger project. And now we have just tons of really great data to help us make business decisions. So that, that was great. But the specific case study that we kicked off with was, um, was really reducing the size, right-sizing a package for our, our yogis and creamies, which are freeze-dried yogurt bites for babies. And honestly, where it came from when I first started at Happy Family in um, 2013, really, you know, this kind of product other brands have as well, and they're all in the same size packaging. And it kind of killed me from a sustainability perspective that, you know, the size of the package could be smaller and still have the same, you know, same layout for art. Like it, it really didn't, wouldn't, didn't have to impact um, the on-shelf presence by just reducing the size. You know, but initially bringing this up, you know, it, it can, uh, you know, make marketing folks or sales folks nervous that reducing the size could, um, you know, impact sales. Looks like you're getting less, that sort of thing. But um, around that time, I had noticed a lot of cheese brands, you know, like shredded cheese had reduced pack sizes and were putting it on pack and indicating and it didn't seem to impact the cheese market. Um, so I really pushed for this and it, it did take a couple of years to get buy-in from our team. Um, but once we did, and cause we, you know, this case study actually helped drive that decision because, you know, even making a small incremental change can actually have big, big impacts. 
So we went ahead and decided to reduce the pack size of the yogis by just an inch, um, which doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're, you know, when you're selling it um, in high volumes, it makes a huge impact. So um, we worked with the, with the compass team and did a full LCA. And, you know, when you get your results, there's a lot of numbers that may not resonate um, with a, a consumer or even, you know, internally. So being able to quantify those savings, those reductions to real life examples makes it so much more, um, you know, digestible. It makes it real life um, results. So, you know, I, one inch of packaging removed, in addition to being able to drastically reduce the master case and greatly increase the amount of cases per pallet, all of those things, and I, I think people don't really think about those impacts, but they were some really substantial. So just by that one inch and in changing packaging um, format, we saved you know, over 800 or 8,000 pounds of material. So that's an 8% overall reduction. But what does that mean? Well, that's equivalent to 30, the, weight, the equivalent weight of 30 elephants. Hmm. So that's substantial. Um, you know, we were able to reduce water consumption um, by 12, mil 12 million gallons annually. Well, what is that equivalent to? That's 18 Olympic size swimming pools. So you, you get into these like, wow, that is a huge savings for something that seems so insignificant. Yeah. But, um, you know, and overall for greenhouse gas emissions, reducing that saved enough, saved the same amount as reducing or removing 40 passenger cars off of the road for a whole year. So, you know, really making these changes had huge impacts. And so it also, you know, it prompted us to look at, well, where else can we make these types of changes, you know, even bigger and what are those impacts going to look like? So we've, we've done a case study on, you know, moving to um, a different type of container for our pups. So, you know, this still is a project in motion, but does it make better sense from an environmental standpoint to move to a, a container with recycled content or uh, to a bio-based material? So the tool is able to help you to make those types of decisions when you, you may think, oh, obviously moving to bio-based, but that's not necessarily true depending on right. transportation. They you know the LCA looks at the big picture, not just the material and not just end of life. It's, it's looking at all the different scenarios that a person wouldn't necessarily think about. I love that. And, and it's so critical too, because most consumers don't see it. Uh, they don't, they, and that's why I kind of call it like this non-sexy part. Cause they just want like, mm -hmm. like PCR content or is this recyclable or whatever, whatever the thing is. But, but when you actually look at the impact, because the, these are, these are like rigid containers and these rigid, right? Like these rigid containers, or was this a, was this a standard? The pops are rigid. Yeah. Yeah. So that rigid container has to be formed and then it has to be shipped. And there's a lot, there's freight obviously involved with that. And there's maximization of the freight from the place that it's manufactured just to where it gets filled. And then it's filled and there's freight, right? It's a, repackage it back up and send it out to the, and so when you can maximize your efficiencies on that it's great and, and i and i always put sustainability in these different 
buckets and kind of say like we have to focus on you know not just the the question of like is it good for the planet like is the material the absolute best material to your point on bio-based or pcr or whatever it is but like is it actually is it good for your profits like if it's going to cost you 80 times more then you can't sell your product and you're out of business so there's nothing sustainable about going out of business you know, does it land with your consumers to your point about if we make it smaller, do they feel like they're getting gypped out of product or whatever it might be? Um, and then there's a fourth one that I can't remember. <laughs> that was the great thing about this. You know, we, we launched in, you know, the smaller format and guess what? Consumers didn't care at all. Yeah. They actually liked the fact that it was smaller. It was easier to put in a diaper bag or in your purse or whatever. And, you know, I think you know, that was a, a few years ago. I think even now today, a consumer sees a package that's small and like, thank, thank you, thank you. Right. This is what we want. Less is now more. I remembered my fourth is it is good for the product, which is the primary function of packaging. <laughs> does it does it actually get the product from point A to point B? And you know, is it is it functional throughout the life of the of the product? So when kids are reaching in and grabbing it, are and parents are and it's getting wet and it's getting you know, saliva. Like there's all sorts of uses for that. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and, and Prashant, I want to ask you this. So when, when you have a, a customer like in this case, happy family and Danone, um, does, does compass do like the, where, where she's talking about like this amount of swimming pools of water and this amount of cars removed, is that, is that accessible within the tool or is that like, we give you the data, we kind of tell you how you can figure it out. How does that work? So interestingly, when we first started uh, more than a decade back, we used to think it's enough to just calculate the technical indicators because we were like, we're engineers. That's what makes sense. All these elephants and stuff, you know, but, and our customers would ask us, you know, they was like, why don't we, why don't you tell us how to do simple indicators? And we resisted, believe it or not. But once uh, we started doing that, boy, it really changed the whole, you know, uh, perception because now everybody can really put their arms around it. You know, uh, I mean, it's so much easier to comprehend, you know, greenhouse gases and water consumption in the form of a simple indicator like swimming pools and number of showers and trees and number of cars. So absolutely. Now it's part of the tool. Oh, now, okay. Yeah, it's every analysis you do, you can get the technical indicators, plus you can get uh, this indicator too. I want to add one more thing, Adam, if I may. Yeah, please. Uh, so uh, for example, the trade-offs, you know, a lot of people think sustainability is always going to be more expensive, right? But sometimes you'll be surprised. Things yeah. like, you know, uh, you know, downsizing, right-sizing, I think can actually save you money. And in fact, I was going to ask Marku if she's willing to say anything about you know, if it's just lower, we don't need to know how much, right? But uh, no, I have the remember, and that's I have my... the questions around here, Prashant. Okay, all right. Jeez, right. okay. no, I'm just kidding. No, it's but no, and 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 Prashant's exactly right. You know, in a lot of cases, um, making more sustainable choices can re result in a cost cost difference um, on on the plus side. So yeah, there was a cost. Um, reduction for the material. Um, but what I, you know, when we look at a brand that has multiple packaging formats and 
in some cases, like moving to PCR, that has a cost increase. Where you're in a situation where you're reducing material, that has a cost decrease. So looking at it broadly, it's like, okay, I have, I have this full roadmap of things I, I need to do in order to get our packaging more sustainable and to meet our 2025 PAC commitments. So, you know, strategically, you can help offset the higher cost projects that have an, an impact to the bottom line with those that have a cost reduction. So it's looking at the whole roadmap and saying, okay, this is gonna cost more. We can get some savings here. And that also helps to get more buy-in from the organization and, and makes the finance people happy. So it's really, you know, kind of a, a strategy that you need to implement across a full packaging portfolio. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It, and even taking that a step further, and looking at, for example, I when I was uh, in a previous job, when I was working on like films, we had a lot of customers who wanted like bio-based PLA films for like stick packs and stand-up pouches. And when you start to look at, at least at the time that I was doing that, the the barrier property difference and what that meant for food obsolescence and shelf life and uh, throughput at the equipment because the equipment was going to have to be slower. The dwell time on the sealer was going to be longer. And, and so even though maybe somebody would say, well, it's, it's a comp, I say compostable, what it's made from compostable materials. That's all of the conversation about whether or not that sucker is actually going to get composted. Oh boy. Uh, yes, here, it is. Here's, here's a hint for everybody. It's probably not. Uh, but <laughs> it, it Anyway, like you would, you would go through all these conversations and eventually people would be like, it's not just the price difference between their old film and the compostable film. It's, there's a much bigger conversation. And likewise, when you look at redesigning, when you look at uh, right sizing, when you look at down gauging, when, when you look at all of these different factors, even as something as silly as the rounded corner on a label. So the, the more square you want that label, the slower it's going to run and the more waste it's going to create. So it's something really, really, really small. But for companies who are buying tens of millions of dollars of labels, that little tiny change that nobody notices, right? That if you just, if you just give a little bit more room on that rounded corner, it can, it can lead to all these great, great things from a sustainability perspective. That also is good from a profitability standpoint. So I find the whole thing is is such a is such a fascinating conversation, and there's so much more that we could get into for sure. Yeah, um, I could talk. I could nerd out on this all day. You need to start. Um, you need to start some sort of packaging murder mystery podcast, Mark. You, I'll help you out. I'll get you some. Okay. Yeah. All right, because I have so much free time to to do that. You do. Sounds perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you do. You have you have plenty of it. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, that. Um, uh, where can people go to check out some of these case studies, Marku? Are they are they published on your website? The Happy Family Organics website does have some of the information on there. You can even Google um, Happy Family Organics case study. I mean, I found multiple articles um, that I didn't even know existed that referenced the case study, and I know um, the Compass website. I believe I, I I think it's in various places and yes, we can we can give you a link so people can can dive in if they're interested. Cool. 
And uh, Prashant, what is your, what's your uh, website? So our website is uh, for the company, www.triac.com, T-R-A-Y-A-K.com. That's the company. And Compass is our software solution. So we have the case study actually quite conveniently located on our website. So if you just go up there, you'll see it. And if you want to trial the solution, it's ecoimpact.triac.com. Cool. Yeah, and I will say the tool is very user-friendly. Um, they provide tons of resources and help if needed. Um, so, I mean, it's to me, it's a great solution because it you don't have to be a tech guru to, to navigate. You just need some data, which hopefully a, a company has, and then it's really plug in, you get the data quickly. So it's it's a great tool, and I highly suggest companies use it if they want to get a, an, an impression of what their packaging impact is. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and especially with a lot of these uh, 2025 and 2030 goals and some of these reports coming out about our companies on pace to hit them or not. And I mean, it's, I, I think that, I think that as our, especially in the United States and certainly also in EU and um, really everywhere, honestly, like th this whole idea of sustainability is, is not, it's gaining in importance, right? It's, it's, it maybe it maybe had a slight little pause during COVID, but that pause did not last long. Like it has ramped back up, and so for for brands, um, and what I think is cool about having you on Marku is, you started the journey in sustainability with a with a medium sized company, right? Um, and and even a small right. Like when when Happy Family first started out, it was like part of what y'all were about, um, and then to see you continue on not only through that. But now into Danone, to this big multinational company, and say, no, we're still about this, is is really really cool. And um, and the correct me if I'm wrong, Prashant, but the Compass tool is you you can if you're a big company like Danone, or if you're on the smaller side, there there's use cases for the tool, correct? Absolutely, yep, all the way. I mean, with large companies, we also tend to connect to their specification systems, PLM systems, ERP systems, so you can get all the specs in the system. Cool. And we'll give a little plug to one of our sponsors, Specrite, if you don't have that information. I know Specrite and Compass are also uh, connected up, so you should you should check them out. Well, uh, Marku, Prashant, I really appreciate you both coming on. Everyone go check out this case study. Uh, it's a cool if I tell people to connect up with y'all on LinkedIn and um, follow what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Cool deal. Everyone find. Uh, luckily, it's not like we've got Dan Smith and we've got uh, <laughs> Stephanie <laughs> Johnson. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's not a whole lot of Marku Alexanders or Prashant Jagtops. Did I get that right? Jagtop? Jagtop? Yes, yes, you did. And you got to let me put in the last word here. Who day again? Who day? Yeah, go. Go Bengals. Go Bengals in retroactive fashion. I say go Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope oh, the Bengals were victorious for you. That's right. Uh, that's great. Well, thank you both so much for coming on. It's been it's been super great. And I hope everyone goes and checks out that case study and is inspired to to do the same because our our planet and our people we all need it. So, uh, thanks everyone. Hey, that wraps up another edition of the People of Packaging podcast. It would mean so much if you would like and share, rate, review, subscribe because we want to change the world, because we believe that packaging is awesome.